recapping day three of the 2024 Reese Senior Bowl. Who stood out? Who made them some money? Right, Jamari Thrash, Spencer Rattler. Who lost the bag? We're going to talk about all this and more coming up next. You are locked on NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On family? Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, your daily podcast covering your favorite draft prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find and follow me on X at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout and a senior draft analyst. And as we always say, thank you for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every day. Shout out for being our everydayers, man. And I got to kick this intro over to my guy, Mr. LSU himself, Keith Sanchez. You can find and follow him on X at the talent code. Keep talking to him, baby. What's up, Locked On family? This is Keith Sanchez, 2019 national champ with those LSU Bingo Tigers, man. And what the other side to this dynamic duel that we like to call the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, where we talk everything college football, we talk everything NFL football. And like we like to say over here at the NFL Draft, what is that everything starts with the NFL Draft? So, man, I want to start it off by saying shout out to our everydayers. Thank you for tapping in with us each and every single day, man. You know, we're going through this senior bowl scouting series, giving you the recaps all the scene bowl and thank you for tapping in with us each and every single day so go ahead and make you make sure you hit that like button make sure you comment and if you're not subscribed to the channel make sure you subscribe to the channel dp i already talked about it right we are talking senior bowl practice recap day three the guys who stood out the guys who kind of stood amongst the crowd right because they did the opposite of standing out and then we're going to give you a practice recap of day three but dp before we get started with that man why don't you hit them with our title sponsor Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Money makers, right? Not not the, the normal boring winners and losers. Money makers. Who made some money today, guys? Who improved the draft stock with the performance? I got to go to Florida State tight end Jaheim Bell, Keith. The guy that we talked about earlier in the week. He kind of fumbled the bag a little bit. I think day one had some drops. Uh, but today, getting open, one-on-ones, team drill, confident hands, caught nearly every pass that was thrown to him. But you saw speed. You saw quickness in and out of his routes and his breaks. But he was confident, Keith. There was one moment where he uh, caught a touchdown, I think, on a corner route. And he just said, this bleepity bleep is too easy. Right. Like now you know someone's in their bag when they start talking like that, Keith. And so I was I was impressed with him. And I, I was hoping to see him have a really strong day. At least one of these days. I think yesterday was a better day for him compared to the drops he had on the first day of practice. But day three, today, I really feel like he he showed up, uh, kind of showed out and, and showed himself as I can win as a guy that can win one on one. Yeah, it, it was a day that he needed, right? Because we talked about the drops what on yesterday's podcast was well, recapping day two. So he needed a day where he bounced back and show shown why that people are very intrigued about him as a as a player. And guess what? He got open and he won. And we're talking about that rep DP. That was against a Miami hurricane. So you know there's a little bit of tension, right? There's a little bit of Florida tension, a little rivalry going on between those Florida State Seminoles and the in, in the Miami Hurricanes. DP, a moneymaker. I'm a, I'm gonna start off one with uh Kingsley Sumatia. We talked about 
fought him already, right? But I thought he finished the deal, right? And that's what this whole thing is about. He finished the deal. He had some really clean reps today in one-on-ones. And I know we talked, like I said, we talked about him yesterday, but I appreciated the fact that he finished. Now, the guy that I'm going to talk about next would be, I have two guys. I'm going to go with the Troy running back, Kamani Vidal. Listen, 5'7", 215 pounds. Is he the biggest guy in the world? No, but the reason I'm saying he's a moneymaker because he's probably an undrafted guy. And I likened it to this, and I kind of talked about this earlier, is that, listen, Deuce Vaughn went in the seventh round last year, right? And obviously plays for the Cowboys, made a 53-man roster. I, I believe that Kamani Vidal could potentially offer teams more just because of his ability to lower his shoulders and run through contact and run in between the tackles. And honestly, I think about those teams if, and obviously, you know, I'm from New Orleans, right? So I remember those Saints teams, right? When you had the Pierre Thomases and the, the Reggie Bushes and, and just how they, he, and just how Sean Payton used Pierre Thomas. And, and there was nothing athletically special about Pierre. And Pierre was a smaller guy. I think Pierre was five, eight or something like that, right? It wasn't a very big back, but man, his his contact balance, his vision, right? Uh, the, the, the fact that he was a tough guy to tackle, I think that there is something there. Even can I throw out a name like a Boston Scott, right? Mm -hmm. And when I throw out that name, I'm like, okay, well, he wasn't great. Well, guess what? This guy played years in the league. And so I think he's going to offer some serviceable reps to NFL teams. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Kingsley Suomatia, an offensive tackle from BYU. And then I'm going to go the Troy running back. I believe he, he did enough uh, today to really gather people's attention to say, hey, we might have to dive into this guy. We might have to kind of overlook the measurables a little bit. He's definitely a draftable great guy. No, I like that, Key. You know, anytime we talk running backs, I, I really appreciate it. You know, let me give my guy some love. But to your point, Vidal did everything. Like, he caught the ball. He was good in pass protection. He ran hard. He showed footwork and ability to get in and out of – uh, you know, weave in and out between the tackles and out of the traffic and everything. I loved everything I saw from this young man. And I think it was something we had a conversation about on the sideline, right? Because, you know, we're, we were here boots on the ground. What did we look at just here? Like, well, what does Blake Corm do better? Like, and it was just kind of like, we didn't really have an answer for it besides the fact that he played, he's a national champion. He played at Michigan and everything like that. But it was just like, this young man's built similar. He brings similar things to the game, right? Only thing I would obviously maybe Blake is a little bit quicker with his cuts yeah, and stuff I, like that. But I, I think I do I do believe that Blake is a is probably a maybe he's a little bit more explosive, right? As far as um you know, as far as generating power, right? I, I think he like if you know you put him, you know how they do the little measurements mm -hmm. and the wattage and the outputs and things like that. I think Blake can generate more of that. But if you're talking about the simple context of short, yeah, short yardage, make somebody miss in a phone booth, right? Get some extra yardage, bounce some things um on the outside, and then instead of them picking up 50 yards, they're probably gonna pick you up 15 to 20. Then if you generalize it and put it in that context, then yeah, Kamani definitely offers something. No, 100%. Kid. I think a guy that I wanted, you know, two guys I wanted to bring up, um, Boston College corner, Elijah Jones, had a strong day in coverage. Talking about breaking up passes, being sticky in coverage, not giving up much of anything. I don't know if he gave up a catch when I was watching the periods, whether it was seven on seven or the team drills. They were doing a lot of red zone work uh, today in both the run and pass game. Um, I just liked how he competed, man, and the plays that he was able to make and get his hand on football. Like he, our guy that we, we talked about coming into this event, a guy that really had a lot on the line. That was quarterback at South Carolina, Spencer Rattler. Through three days, man, like Spencer has gotten better from day one to day two, from day two to day three. He had a nice touchdown uh, in the red in the 707 red zone period, a back shoulder, just dime and a, and a rip of a throw 
to the back shoulder of Jamari Thrash, a wide receiver out of Louisville, man. Uh, you know, and Jamari Thrash made an incredible catch on it as well. But that, uh, they ran another uh, low red zone uh, concept, had a clear out, ran, I believe it was Ray Davis, the running back out of Kentucky, on like a Texas angle route. And A, he th- like the ball placement from Spencer Rattler was on the money, right? Because you're talking about throwing a guy in the middle of the field with like condensed space, knowing that in the real game, linebackers are around. He threw it low, he threw he threw it low in the way and allowed his guy to be able to catch the ball and protect himself by getting to the ground. Tom Brady used to do that all the time. You see Edelman and, and Amendola and all those slot guys, and even James White, Danny Woodheads of the world. Brady was like, no, I'm never getting my guys killed across the middle. I'm going to throw a low in the way and allow you to be able to get the first down and protect yourself. Don't worry about Yak. We got a first new a new set of downs in this situation. Spencer threw the touchdown. He also threw um, a beautiful uh, uh, 50-50 ball that was uh, called, you know, he got they got the penalty because the, the safety in, in coverage in one-on-one uh, was uh, interfering with the tight end. So overall for me, man, I think Spencer Riley had a great day today, really showcasing the arm talent, the poise. He just looks calm and under control, Keith. Yeah, and it's something that we talked about, right? And I think it's, it's huge to understand that, listen, is everything going to be great, right? But what we've seen from Spencer Riley is that he got better day after day. And that's what you expect when – we have a bunch of new variables that I've never worked with before, right? And you've seen him day after day. He got a little bit better, right? And I think he was the one quarterback that where you can consistently say his his stock and in, in his performance increased every single day. And I think you've seen it. I don't want to say peak today, but it was his best today. And I think that's definitely something to appreciate with Spencer Rattler and something I'm excited about. But we talked about it on this podcast as a name to look out for was South Carolina's quarterback, Spencer Rattler, and what he can do. And he, he definitely earned himself some money. But, DP, let's keep this thing going. Let's keep it flowing. man. like you said, man, if somebody is making money, that means somebody potentially have lost some money, right? And we're going to talk about those bag farmers, man, the guys who came here to perform, but they didn't necessarily perform at the performance at the level to get them paid, man. So let's talk about those bag fumblers coming up next. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle. Level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. So, guys, it's very, very simple, all right? It's very simple here. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning more rubber and not cash. Who wants to spend money when you can just go ahead and save as much as possible? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your number one ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Keep your number one ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Fumbling the bag is never a term you want to hear associated with your name, but there's guys that always fumble the bag. Nonetheless, and safety, got it, Keith, we we were very excited to see. Safety out of Miami, Cam Wren Kitchens, uh, came in a little bit shorter than we expected, or that, you know, I think about 5'11", uh, like 200-some-odd pounds, 195, somewhere in there, 
And he just struggled in one-on-ones today. And it, it, it was not something that you, you definitely wanted to see. He didn't keep up with guys. And if we, when he did, was he was able to keep up with guys. He didn't look for the ball. I believe he was the one that I talked about in the last segment with Spencer Rattler where they threw the one-on-one jump ball to the tight end of the case, uh, Kansas State, Ben Sanat. And I believe it was Cam Kitchens who didn't turn to look, locate the ball because uh, he didn't stay in phase early to put himself in a more, in a more advantageous opportunity and ability. He just and it felt like after a couple reps where he allowed catches, Keith, he got into his own head and he was thinking, he was frustrated, and it just kind of like snowballed. And you just you see, you heard the coaches trying to talk talk to him and keep his head in the game and more so just kind of tell him where where he's messing up. And he just never he never looked like the guy that we saw on tape, the guy that had the first round buzz, the guy that was labeled as one of the most rangy safety rangy safeties in this class. I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know if he's going to play in the game or not, but I just know that, like, this was a rough week uh, for Cameron Kitchens. So, DP, I'll give you a little insight. I'll give out every day as a little insight, right, and and just talk about how this goes. Um, Just when you're talking about guys attending the Senior Bowl, right, and, you know, you, I've had conversations with guys on their way to, you know, as far as they were leaving the, you know, going leaving LSU and going to the draft process and, you know, like, okay, which game should I go to? Because we know some guys opt out on purpose right and he's like okay well what's the reasoning for opting out right and you have to ask yourself is the senior bowl a good environment for you and and that's why some of these guys opt out because they say hey if there's something that can expose flaws right it may not be the very best for me to go out there and to compete because it exposed a flaw now with cameron kinchins i'm right there with you with the day that he had right and the, and the reason is this I, I think what happened was i don't think he lost all draft value right and i know that's not what you were saying but i think what it did was was say that this is probably more of a zone guy now the issue with is me or you know nfl evaluators pegging you as just a zone guy is that you're you're 511 200 pounds right and usually that profile of being 511 they that's your nickels right that's the guys that they want to put you on the field because you can cover those slot wide receivers right like you can play man and if you can't do that then now you're talking about a scheme specific guy that potentially i have to worry about with run fits and i think that's going to be the issue that cam is now going to have to run into right as far as he when he as he goes through the rest of his draft process runs his 40 time and yeah it's just the one-on-ones was not a good and it wasn't a good situation for him it wasn't a good environment for him uh just lining up and playing one-on-ones uh you know taking five reps each and every single day in one-on-ones and then him losing you know potentially half of them so i'm right there with you with cam kitchens uh next guy i want to go to and i, and I kind of want i want to get into this guy um, because the, the conversation I'm saying fumbling the bag because I think that there's no longer the opportunity to draw a comparison and, and, and overhype the situation, right? And I wasn't extremely high on him coming into the draft. I thought he was an NFL caliber player, but not a guy that we should be talking about in the top 100 or anything. And that's Texas Tech's edge rusher, Miles Cole. Um, there were times and there were you know minimal flashes, right? But if anybody's trying to sell you on the fact that this guy is Tyree Wilson or anything close to that, or if they're going to tell you, or if you're going to see some charter statistic or, um, you know, any type of data, right. Analytics that say, Oh, because miles Cole is six, six, 290 pounds, right. That he's going to be this great player just because of that. I just didn't see that. Right. And, and I think he fumbled the bag and I, I guess I'll go with that because, 
there I don't think there was enough high leverage moments to get people to even believe in that. So that's why I would say Texas Tech's Miles Cole. Miles Cole. No, I, I like that call out, Keith. I mean, he he had some solid moments, but like I think what you see when you watch them, I think you watch this tape. What you see down here in Mobile, he just was a guy that is still trying to figure it out. And it's like, I don't know how high you draft that guy that's trying to figure it out. Like he, I mean, the, the measurements and everything are, are outstanding, right? Like 36, uh, you know, throw almost 37 inch arms, uh, 87 inch, 87 on the wingspan and everything's over, you know, six, five, well over, you know, over 270 pounds. But again, like you said, he's not Trayvon Walker. He's not uh, Tyree Wilson. Like this is more of a draft and stash guy, more so on day three rather than, hey, let me grab him. Because if you're grab, grabbing him early than that, if you select him early, you're saying, I want you to kind of play hit some heavy downs, you know, as a rookie. And he doesn't seem to be ready for that just yet. And then we got to go back to Miami. You know, typically you like to go to Miami, but this is not a, no, a good reason to go to Miami. James Williams, uh, he, he was a safety at Miami, but they have him playing linebacker. Now, he, to me, just looked like a fish out of water. And I think what you said about Cam is the same thing applies to James. Was the senior bowl the best thing for you? Did it fit what you wanted to, what you could do? James is a, what, six foot four, 220 pound heavy hitter. This was, first of all, they barely took each other to the ground in, the, in, in all, all week, right? So, like, you, could, you couldn't give, like, the heavy shots you give as a hitter and as a tackler. So you, you ask yourself, okay, well, what, can I, what can I prove here? And, you know, get, you know, he's got to deal with, now he's like here dealing with like running backs and one-on-ones, right. And, and different stuff. Like you got to see that Naya Smith who plays running and running back and slot and Dylan Lauba, whoever these running, whatever running back you're facing. And this is a kind of uncharted territory for him. Where it's like, you're one-on-one. There's no help leverage wise. It's just you and that running back. And you don't know where he's going and you have to be what six foot, like what is he like six five, six four, two thirty? You got seventy nine, you know, five eight on the wingspan, they're over thirty three inch arms, and you got to stop your feet right and try to change directions and go whatever direction these guys are going. They run a bunch of option routes and out routes, right? And it just it didn't highlight the best, you know, the the best traits that James has to offer. And maybe if he plays in the game and now he gets to actually hit somebody, you can kind of hey guys, forget the fact that I struggled in coverage. I'm a hitter. You know what I mean? I, I can play run support, different things like that. I didn't, you know, I didn't think he was a true inside backer. So we'll see just how it plays out, Keith. Now, nah, you made a great point. And honestly, um, because this is a, a leverage thing, right? And it's a marketing situation. And, and as far as draft stock writing is about trying to leave the best impression as your last impression, right? To be honest, if I'm his agent, I'm probably telling him, go ahead and suit up for the game and go hit somebody so that way at least people can say you know what he does that really well um because i, I do think whatever whatever the context is that's going to leave here right or, or as we wrapped up day three right and people feel how they want to feel about james i do think the film was much better and i'm much more hopeful about him as a prospect than maybe what the general consensus will be with him as a player but dp i want to keep going man and we're going to wrap this thing up with a recap, right? Just a recap, and we just throw out some general ideas of what was our feel from day three, right? Because day three was a much different thing. We got some different looks from the quarterbacks because we did a lot of red zone stuff. So honestly, DP, I want to start with that, with just the red zone looks from the quarterbacks. They had to make tight throws in the in the red zone to the end zone, and what we kind of pull from there. Then we also talk about a couple of these defenders and what they was able to 
Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. All right. I'm telling you now, guys, what's what's one of the, my favorite parts of the Super Bowl? Of course, it's the game typically, if it's a good matchup, the food that my wife throws down in the kitchen. And of course, we got some good commercials as well. All right. And then right now, I think from looking at FanDuel, the Chiefs are what a one and a half point, you know, underdog. Pat Mahomes, the reigning defending Super Bowl MVP and champion, is a one and a half point underdog to Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. I love that bet for myself personally. So FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also puts bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Hey guys, let's bring this thing home. As we always tell you, thank you for making Locked On Phil Draft your first listen today and every day. Shout out for being our everydayers. But yes, like Keith said, the red zone, recapping what we saw today at practice and the, the quarterbacks in the red zone looked a little bit more comfortable than all week, right? Like, you know, you saw Michael Penix on the move, make a nice throw. I think it was to Luke McCaffrey in the back end of the red zone, right? Over some defenders, layering that ball, rolling to his left. Bo Nix, like, you know, I think it's crazy because Bo Nix, this is probably the most comfortable I think he felt today. And that was because they, they got him on the move, sprint outs. He was able to move the launch point. And he had a couple of nice throws himself in the in the red zone, getting the ball uh, in, in the back of the end zone. I think he had another one to the right uh, right side of the pylon in the corner. Uh, he was kind of fitting those pads. He's got he's got a good arm, right? So be able to showcase what he was, you know, showcase that arm talent on the move, Keith. And I think that's a that was a a good revelation today. They see these guys now again. They they they're new. Their quarterbacks. They only had three days of practice, and a lot of it was installed too. So it's like, all right. I don't know these receivers like that. Like I'm trying to learn who, how, do, how do they break out of, you know, get out of their breaks, who runs this route, different things like that. So I think that was a big thing for these guys. But Keith, I think the, the quarterbacks had a better day overall today. Um, even, you know, Joe Milton, right. You know, show, showcasing a little, little different tempo on some of his passes. Not everything was a hundred mile per hour ball. I think the quarterbacks did good. And I think that was a good, that was good for us to see overall, especially because it was just a weird, week of practice in terms of tempo and flow of these practices yeah i i'm i'm with that part and i want to jump back to the conversation where i think we talked about that yesterday with michael Penix, um and him playing under center and i felt like i seen it again when he played under center and, and this is because this his evaluation is this right everybody says the pressure putting him on the move right he doesn't do well with having to be on a move but is it does it have to be intentional movement, right? Because with like you know, because that is movement, right? When you're on boot action, rollouts, sprint out, stuff like that. But it looked like the fact that it was intentional, he knew it was coming. Like his body mechanics looked cleaner, right? They like it, it wasn't as sped up, it wasn't as sporadic as it looked when he stood in the pocket and then he just you know he had to make a last second reaction. Like, because even when you watch him on film, right, and he gets pressure, like even his storm mechanic mechanics go out the window right and he's very inaccurate but watching him on the move with plays that was intentionally putting him on the move he looked a whole lot better with his mechanics so just me as a talent evaluator right it's like okay where do I go from here then also we was able to talk to one of our guys right and we talked about it, it's like hey I mean that potentially unlocks a whole nother situation for Michael Penix and it's good because you get to see him do something 
that we haven't seen them done, haven't seen them do. So, so many other teams are going to look at it from that perspective. No, 100%, Keith. Now, I think for him, like I said, he looked more comfortable. Uh, he looked for a guy that doesn't take a lot of undescended snaps. He looked comfortable. Uh, he looked confident. And those are things that you want to see, you love to see from him. Like I said, overall, the quarterbacks, I think just being able to, and I think all of them should play. Truthfully, Keith, I think for the game, I think all of them should play. Because one thing, what do we hear today? Bo Nix is more of a gamer, right? So it's like, well, if he's a gamer, let, let him play in the game, right? I right, agent, let him play in the game. And let's see Bo Nix go out there and be more of in his natural element and see what we can get, right? Like all those plays where it's like, okay, you're putting them on the move. Let's sprint them out in the game too. Same thing with Michael Penix, right? Like Joe Milton. Like I, they, they, I think yesterday uh, they did a little bit of it today too, showing off the – the, the QB keepers, right? QB sweeps in the low red zone because he's, what, 6'5", 240, right? Rumored, you know, rumored by sources to run a 4'4'5". That's what I was told last night. We'll see. That's a big boy. Joe Milton's a big dude. But just his arm talent everything else, like, I want to see these guys go in the game and actually have to, like, understand, okay, I'm going to get hit. I can give a hit, right? I can throw the ball into these tight windows. It's a lot of different things that, you know, we want to see come come game time. So today overall, I think, you know, quarterbacks play better for the most part, but it still left us just kind of wanting a little bit more uh, from, from the entire group of the, overall. But, you know, our guy Spencer Rattler was probably the best one uh, on today overall. I think he did the best you know, and made a lot, a lot of the plays that we knew he could make, and then the confidence was just there. Yeah, no, nah, so I think my kind of I guess the last takeaway when you say day three right was that this offensive line group I would say they somewhat took it to the defensive line group um in, in both red zone periods uh they were able to run the football and and you're talking about getting movement along the line of scrimmage so I looked at all of these offensive linemen right and I'm like okay y'all are winning this battle right and this is supposed to be um even competition right like this is not Alabama going against Vanderbilt um no shot to Vanderbilt right but it's not that right like the talent talent levels are somewhat equal and this it appears just that the offensive line, this class of offensive linemen is probably better than this class of defensive linemen. I, yeah, better than this class of defensive linemen. And that was one of my biggest takeaways is that we we just continue to talk about it, but it, it the offensive line class is just there. And even in the depths part of when you talk, it's I think it's to the point, DP, to where we're disregarding the guys that are developmental starters, right? The, the third and fourth rounders that are going to start and they're going to play a lot of football um, for teams. No, 100%. The offensive line run game, you saw a lot of push. You saw a lot of activity, man. So keep the, the trenches, especially on the offensive line side. We saw guys like Christian Jones you know, from Texas. We saw a lot of different offensive linemen come out here and have good flashes, show power, show athleticism. What do we keep saying, Keith? This offensive tackle class, this offensive line class, is deep. It, it's it's loaded. Like you can find quality starters rounds four or five and probably six. Some guys that you might need to get some time to, but there's there's a lot of talent in this class overall. Yep. Well, DP, I'll tell you what, man, there's a lot of talent going on in this podcast, man. It's locked on NFL draft podcast. I want to say shout out to our everydayers. Thank you for tapping in with us each and every single day, man. If you haven't hit that like button, go ahead and hit that like button. If you haven't commented already, drop a comment. Let us know what we'll some of you, y'all biggest takeaways after day three of practice. So even if you want us to talk about prospects that we haven't talked about on this podcast, go ahead and drop a name and we'll make sure to get to you, man. Listen, my name is Keith Sanchez. You can find me on X at the town. 
Morning Code, man. That right there, the guy next to me, man, is Damian Parson. You can find him on X at DP underscore NFL. And like we always like to say, man, y'all talk to us because we like to talk back. Go subscribe and follow for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Get the latest episode as soon as it is available. Thank you for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every day. Shout out for being our everyday. As on tomorrow's show, we'll come with some big picture stuff from the entire week of the 2024 Reese's Senior Bowl. So come and join the conversation again tomorrow on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.